Welcome to the Three P's of Cancer podcast, where we'll discuss prevention, preparedness, and progress in cancer treatments and research. Brought to you by the University of Michigan Rogel Cancer Center. I'm Scott Redding. We're talking with University of Michigan Health thoracic surgeon, Dr. Rishi Reddy, about lung cancer. Hi, my name is Rishi Reddy. I'm a thoracic surgeon here at the University of Michigan. I've been on staff here since 2009, and I'm originally from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Are there misconceptions about lung cancer? I think there are a lot of misconceptions around lung cancer in terms of lung cancer being one of the few cancers specifically related to a habit like smoking, for example. And and so I think for many, many years, we have had this perception that lung cancer is due to smoking. People smoked. They got lung cancer, whether or not they deserve it, but they knew the risk going in. And I don't know that that's 100% fair. About 10% of lung cancer cases in the United States are unrelated to smoking. About 45% of cases in the United States are related to former smokers, and so people who've already quit. And, And so even if someone has quit smoking 30 years ago and maybe only smoked for 10 years, they have a lifetime risk of lung cancer. And so that is probably the biggest misconception, uh, I think, uh, surrounding lung cancer. And and as a result, many people feel that lung cancer is almost an invisible disease. And when we have the ribbon that represents lung cancer, it's often uh, depicted as clear because it's considered an invisible disease that is not as prevalent or not as relevant as some of the other cancers we deal with. What are some signs or symptoms people should be on the lookout for lung cancer? There are no real signs or symptoms that people can have to to know about lung cancer unless the lung cancer is fairly advanced. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges with lung cancer. And there are a handful of cancers like that. Um, Colon cancer, patients will oftentimes present maybe with blood in their stools that can be detected fairly early on. We don't have a similar mechanism to detect early stage lung cancer like that now. So when someone is developing signs or symptoms of lung cancer, Sometimes that indicates more advanced disease where a tumor may be growing into their central airway, they may be coughing up blood. In those situations, most of the time, curative options are are limited, uh, if at all, uh, even possible. And so most lung cancers present in patients who have zero symptoms. How is lung cancer diagnosed and are there screening options? Great question. Lung cancer is usually diagnosed nowadays with a CT scan, so not a chest X-ray alone, but a CT scan, which is three-dimensional imaging. Um, And most often, those are done now for screening purposes for patients who've had a history of smoking, or if a patient is getting a CT scan for some other reason. So very commonly, we have lung cancer diagnosed when someone goes to the emergency room for a completely unrelated uh, event. Maybe they're having chest pain, not related to lung cancer. Uh, Maybe they uh, are having shortness of breath and they're being ruled out for a pulmonary embolism. Um, Maybe they're having abdominal pain and and they'll get a CT scan of the abdomen, which on the higher cuts will show uh, the lower portion of the lungs and show an incidentally found lung cancer. So unfortunately, the vast majority of lung cancers currently are found Incidentally, meaning they were found not related to the actual diagnosis. There are screening options, as I mentioned, and so just in the last 10 years, uh, there has been approval now for CT scan screening for high-risk patients who are patients with a heavy um, history or history of heavy smoking. Um, we're hoping that those indications will be expanded in the future. The one thing that's interesting about the lung screening CT scan trial is that they found a lot of lung nodules, many of which were not lung cancer, actually most of which were not lung cancer. So what we have found is that people have a lot of lung nodules. The vast majority of them are not lung cancer. 
But if you are a candidate for screening and you're able to get that screening, that has been shown to benefit people by getting an early diagnosis for lung cancer that then allows us to treat it curatively. What treatment options are there for lung cancer? So there are many different treatment options for lung cancer. Uh, the most, um, the one that I perform is surgery. And, and surgery is really the best shot for curative uh, treatment for lung cancer. Um, it allows us to physically remove the cancer from the body. And when we do that, we also check for lymph nodes. So many cancers spread through the lymph nodes. Um, breast cancer, uh, historically, uh, if uh, someone had breast cancer, they would check the armpit for lymph nodes. Some of that treatment for breast cancer has changed over the last few years. But for lung cancer, it's the same idea. We will take out that area that has the cancer, but we'll also check the lymph nodes in the surrounding tissue. Um, and if the cancer has spread to those lymph nodes, that will allow us to treat further with things like chemotherapy or radiation if indicated. Having said that, there's also radiation treatment now uh, that can be used to treat, sometimes with curative intent for smaller lung cancers. And there are trials internationally and nationally that are being evaluated to compare radiation and surgery. Um, other treatment options can be chemotherapy and or radiation. And sometimes those treatments can also be effectively curative, even for more advanced stage cancers. Um, as we enter the uh, era of personalized cancer treatment, we are trying more and more novel therapeutics, and so chemotherapies that are targeted specifically to someone's um, lung cancer that's maybe not used to treat 1,000 patients, maybe only 50 out of those 1,000 patients that have the specific genetic drivers that that chemotherapy will be effective for. So really, again, going back, our, our mainstay treatments for cure are gonna be surgery, but we can also use radiation treatment um, and then chemotherapy and radiation uh, in combination. Um, we can also use now um, uh, percutaneous uh, embolization or uh, radiofrequency ablation type therapeutics that can be used either given through needles in between the chest or bronchoscopically by going down the windpipe. Those treatments are still a little bit on novel and not the standard of care, but maybe more of the standard of care in five to 10 years. Can you tell us a little bit more about the surgical options? So the surgical options for lung cancer patients are traditionally a lobectomy. So we all have five lobes, four major lobes and one minor lobe on the right side. Each one of the major lobes carries about 20 to 25% of our lung function. Most people with normal lung function can tolerate the removal of one lobe, sometimes even two lobes or even a whole lung if needed for lung cancer. But the traditional operation that we would perform for most lung cancers would be a lobectomy. In the last five to 10 years, as we have been detecting some of these lung cancers earlier and earlier by these incidental CT scans or um, other screening trials, for example, we've actually tried to shift our practice to take even less lung tissue, um, performing what we call segmentectomies. Um, I think our group has been on the forefront of this nationally, uh, along with many other academic centers in terms of trying to perform even less resections, so what we call parenchymal sparing lung surgery. What this does is by taking less lung tissue, it allows patients to have better quality of life because we're preserving more of their lung tissue for day-to-day -day activities. But what we're also doing is preserving more lung in case other lung cancers arise. We know that when someone has a new diagnosis of lung cancer, there's two major risk factors that we're concerned about. One is could that cancer come back? But the second thing is could that patient develop a new primary lung cancer separate from the original one? And we know that that risk alone is three to 5% per year. 
because we know that oftentimes that person has some sort of damage to their lungs, oftentimes maybe related to smoking or industrial exposures that has damaged not only that area where the lung cancer is developed, but other areas of the entire lung. And so the rest of the lung is still at risk. And so by preserving more of the lung during that initial operation, we're preserving more options down the future, maybe 10 years from now, maybe 20 years from now, in case new lung cancers develop. And we're seeing that change in strategy and that change in paradigm really in the last 10 years as it's becoming more relevant. Is there or can there be long-term survival for lung cancer patients? Absolutely. So historically, when most lung cancers have been diagnosed in an advanced stage, when someone has stage four cancer and the cancer has spread elsewhere in the body, the long-term survival from lung cancer has been viewed as poor. But what we're seeing now with lung cancers being diagnosed at an earlier and earlier stage is that early stage lung cancer patients can have a 90% long-term survival, or at least five-year survival, but even translating longer than that. And that's really because we're able to do surgery earlier before cancer has maybe spread to the lymph nodes and the rest of the body. And so the data that we even had from 10 to 15 years ago about long-term survival after early stage lung cancer surgery is very different than what we're seeing nowadays. We're seeing an improvement in long-term survival compared to what we had seen historically. Are there other preventive measures for lung cancer outside of quitting smoking? It's a great question. Um, Outside of quitting smoking, we don't have a great handle on other preventative measures uh, to prevent lung cancer or reduce the risk of lung cancer. Some of our colleagues here at the University of Michigan are, are doing research on these topics. Are there Um, medicines or are there supplements, for example, that can be taken to reduce the risk of someone developing lung cancer. There really isn't anything that's on the near horizon that we can prove that's been effective or or will be effective. There was data about 10 years ago that was published related to active smoking in lung cancer um, that showed that active smoking um, contributes to lung cancers growing more quickly, as well as those cancers being chemotherapy resistant and radiation resistant. In the old days, even just 20 years ago, if someone was smoking, uh, many surgeons whom I trained under, the mantra would be, well, you've been smoking, it gives you quality of life, keep smoking. We recognize now that that's not actually a good plan uh, because the act of smoking will contribute to those cancers growing more aggressively. So if someone can quit smoking, we think that has a direct impact in reducing the aggressiveness of that lung cancer. The other benefit of quitting smoking is that it reduces your risk of pneumonia after surgery. Uh, We have statewide data that suggests there's a a five times increase in the rate of pneumonia after surgery for lung cancer in someone who is actively smoking. And so we really encourage everyone to stop smoking for those two primary reasons. With regards to other potential preventative risk factors, obviously if someone is in a situation where they have increased radon exposure in their home, for example, Um, things to reduce that radon exposure um, in terms of getting the potential causes fixed or at least even monitoring for radon is is beneficial. There are many industrial exposures that can potentially add to the risk of lung cancer that we fully don't understand yet. So trying to remove some of those situations can be beneficial also. When we think of smoking, we think of cigarettes, cigars, pipes, But what about other avenues like vaping and other ways that people might be ingesting smoke when they really think they're not? And should that be a concern? 
It's a great question also, you know, what's the impact of vaping on the risk of lung cancer? Uh, my concern is that even with vaping, you're inhaling nicotine. And so when you're inhaling nicotine, it is going down into your lungs, and that is where we are concerned about lung cancer. So whereas patches um, or gum, nicotine gum, will still deliver nicotine to the body, and that can actually still cause compromise or cause harmful effects to your vascular uh, arteries and, and cause heart attacks and things like that in the future, we know that inhaling nicotine is still bad. Uh, now, is it as bad as cigarettes? Probably not, but how, how bad relative to that, we don't know. And unfortunately right now, I think one out of five teenagers is vaping. And, and so we are continuing to see that being a potential problem 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and we may not have those full answers until then. But I would formally suggest that even vaping is a risk factor that probably should be cut down, uh, and if not completely stopped. What can a patient expect coming here? I think patients can come to the University of Michigan and expect the highest quality care for lung cancer that they can get anywhere in the world. That is what our goal is to offer. So we have the ability to offer surgery, um, both minimally invasive surgery, robotic and non-robotic surgery. We can offer parenchymal sparing surgery, so segmentectomies that minimizes the amount of lung tissue that we remove. We can also offer maximally uh, needed surgery as, as a patient would tolerate it. Our goal here is not just to do surgery to, to uh, remove the cancer, but also to improve someone's quality of life or to maintain their quality of life. And I think that's a little bit of a unique aspect of our program, that it's not just about curing you of your cancer, but it's also about maximizing your quality of life afterwards. We also work integrally with our chemo, our medical oncology team who administers chemotherapy, as well as our radiation oncology team who delivers radiation treatment, as well as our other services who also uh, affect lung cancer care, including our pulmonologists, our interventional radiologists. So we all work seamlessly together as a group to offer the highest quality care, the most advanced clinical trials that are possible, um, both in the country as well as internationally, and again, every advanced therapeutic possible. What advice would you give someone who is concerned they potentially might get lung cancer? The advice that I would like people to know about lung cancer is that it's really a silent disease and, and that if you are someone with a history of smoking, even if it was 30 or 40 years ago, that you are potentially at risk and that it is something that we just need to keep an eye on. I think if someone is a candidate for the uh, CT scan uh, screening trial, um, and that usually involves patients who have had at least a 30-pack year smoking history, currently between the ages of 55 and 74. This is now covered by Medicare and, and every insurance that someone should get a screening CT scan for that. Many people will still have lung cancer even if they don't fit those uh, parameters. And if someone is concerned, um, I think they should at least start with a chest X-ray and, and consult their primary care doctors. As a final thought, what would be the biggest thing you would like people to take away from our discussion? One other common misconception about lung cancer is that many people feel that it may not affect them or they're not at risk for it. Unfortunately, lung cancer is one of the most common cancers in the United States and even in the world. And in the United States, it's actually the most common cause of cancer-related death. So even though it's not as common as, let's say, breast cancer or prostate cancer, there's a much higher risk of death associated with lung cancer than those other cancers. And again, that's as of right now because most lung cancers are diagnosed at an advanced stage. And so that's where I think early screening and early chest x-rays can really make a difference in terms of risking or reducing the risk of mortality and, and death related to lung cancer. 
I think there's also historically a misconception about the treatment and about the level of surgery that's needed. Again, as we've shifted from what we call open thoracotomies to now doing minimally invasive surgeries um, routinely, some, most patients actually get out of the hospital within two to four days after surgery. And so the risks associated with surgery are much less than they were even 15 to 20 years ago. Thank you for listening. And tell us what you think of this podcast by rating and reviewing us. If you have suggestions for additional topics, you can send them to cancercenter at med.umich.edu or message us on Twitter at umrogocancer. You can continue to explore the three P's of cancer by visiting rogocancercenter.org. Mm-hmm.